But uh, good to have all of you here. And I, I have been talking about the Ten Commandments and the uh, out of town, and I don't know we just uh, whether we. This is, I think, actually the third Sunday. I've spoken on some Sunday nights as well, and we have gone through the ten greatest struggles, basically looking at the Ten Commandments as struggles that people go through. Because a lot of times individuals look at the commandments as being that old document in the Old Testament that was simply about uh, that don't do this, don't do that, don't do something else. And in reality, Jesus in the New Testament, uh, yes, those commandments came down the mountain and Moses had them and broke all 10 in one uh, angry moment when he broke the 10 commandments, had to go up and get a, another set. But in reality, Jesus sort of took the 10 commandments and brought them into the New Testament as well. And we have read some of those verses. But the first commandment is one that probably more people struggle with than any other. And that is just whether or not there is a God. That's one of the struggles that they have. And if there is a God, if you want to say, okay, I do believe in a God, then the next question is, does he communicate with us? Do we have his words? Can we know what he is saying? Or is it just some mental exercise that I go through, that it's all up to me? Well, if you are able to determine what God says and you are able to know what God thinks, then God is smaller than you are. Hence, he's not really a God because that's where the word of God comes into play is that what does the word say? And that's where we talked about that what part of that very sense of who God is because the Bible is very clear. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder and of them that diligently seek him. And so then the next part is that sense of worship is that second commandment was not to make any graven image and not to bow down, not to serve them for I am a jealous God. So recognizing that if I do know who that God is and I then recognize that I do believe in a God, will I serve a God? And if I am my own God, it's hard to serve myself. So that's why it's vital that you know who God is and that you recognize that I will serve God because he is in fact a jealous and he is a jealous God. And I, I put up some photos or some pictures of one artist who rendered God in one way and then rendered him in another. You can't put God in a box. He is the I am. Amen? 
He is the great I am. Fill in the blank. And then the third commandment, which was that you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. And we talked about that. And I know there were all kinds of slang words for, you know, the name of God. And I, I realized that there was a time when people were careful about saying some of those, you know, golly and gee and gosh. And uh, I, I had my share of, nope, that's not you don't say that you don't say those things and and yet now of course it is not uncommon for people to let forth a whole strain of words that uh, I guess would curl your hair and they think nothing of it and it's not just men it's ladies it's whatever it's uh, whoever can you know get a little frustrated and yet what that is all about is a struggle with my mouth and there's probably none of us according to James that haven't struggled with my mouth somewhat not maybe you struggling with my mouth but you struggling with your own mouth huh said some things you wish you wouldn't have said, uh, said some things in anger, said some things in frustration, said some things that you wish, you know, well, I wish I could take that back. I wish that's a, a struggle because unfortunately, uh, uh, it is uh, uh, amazing how quickly we are able to sort of uh, default into letting someone have it with my mouth and unfortunately it's a struggle and then we talked about that and then the, the next struggle was time because he said remember the Sabbath to keep it holy and six days you work and the seventh you you uh, rest and that very sense of recognizing that time is in fact uh, holy I, obviously this 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 verse took up uh, a, a lot of space. It was uh, one of the longest, if not, it was the longest as far as written commandment. It was divided into two parts, uh, work and then rest, and the importance of working and resting and drawing boundaries. And, and then those completed the first four commandments of that basically that sense of loving God. And there was now we entered into commandments 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And we, you know, honor your father and mother was the fifth one. And it's a first commandment that has a promise. And we talked about that word honor, kabod, kabod, uh, which was used there in honor, was the same word that God said when he hardened Pharaoh's heart. It was uh, that he honored Pharaoh's heart. In other words, he allowed Pharaoh to make up his own mind. He didn't manipulate. He didn't coerce. He didn't hold a gun to his head. I know when you think of, of the uh, uh, plagues and you think of how, how horrible those were, you would have thought people would have immediately that Pharaoh would have repented and said, you are God, but he hardened, their, he honors their heart. The same is true. We can realize in 2020 and 21 and 22, when you talk about a plague ravaging the world and quickly shutting down, whether it's uh, uh, coins and, and use and electronics and airfare and all, air flight. And when you think of that, you would think that immediately people would run to church 
to acknowledge there is a God and I need that God. But the Lord honors their heart. If you don't want to serve him, guess what? He's not going to force you. All the stuff that's happening, all the things, you would think that we wouldn't be able to have a seat. You would think that folks would be lining up to get a seat. Huh? But guess what? I, the Lord honors their heart. He honors, and that's that fifth commandment, is the struggle with authority. I, you know, and we have a whole nation now, and we look at whether it's the president, we, you know, we look at him kind of, uh, uh, we know, you know, well, it's, it's politics. They're all dirty. They're all liars. They're all evil. They're all. How many have ever thought that, said that, believed that, wondered about that? It's part of our... And you say, well, are you saying they're all perfect? No, but I have a struggle with authority. And I, I you know, I, I don't I honor my father and mother. That, that takes a lot out of me, and I don't know. And then, you know, then the next commandment, and I talk, talked about that and spent a while, but number six is that very sense of the struggle with peace because he says, thou shalt not kill. And what makes a person so angry that they would kill. It goes all the way back. Here we are in the image and likeness of God. And, and I understand when you talk about murder and you talk about anger and bitterness and hatred and lack of compassion. And we are a world now because of, we'll, we, you know, we have a way of describing it. Well, it's we're stressed or we're overwhelmed or we don't understand. And we, because of all of that, then it's thou shalt not, what? We don't want to murder and probably most of us in here 98% maybe 95% maybe 80% of us have not actually ever murdered somebody but I would venture to say a hundred percent of us have been mad enough that if given the right you felt like it and you say well I would never do it pastor well, wonderful. I'm glad you won't cross that line. But boy, there's been murder in your heart and eyes and... Huh? I'd just like for him to drop... And Jesus talked about that in the New Testament. And that, what does that show? It's a lack of peace. It's a lack of, of, of ability to, you know, and you say, but you don't know what they did and you don't know and I understand and I get it. And then we go to the seventh commandment and we haven't talked about that one and this one is today. And this is about keeping your promise in an impure world and in a generation that is got so much access to impurity so close. Huh? You say, well, <clears throat> you know, it's easier today. To, I, I agree. How do you keep your thoughts and your words and your actions pure? And the seventh commandment, you may say, well, I've never, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's an easy one. I haven't done that one. And yet Jesus in Matthew, the fifth chapter and the 27th verse says, you have heard that it was said of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. He talked about this seventh commandment. 
But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. He brought it to a heart issue. Why? Because in our heart is where the impurity begins. In our mind, it begins there before it's ever seen here. And you say, well, my flesh is impure. I get it. Mine is too. It's a constant battle. I get it. It's for everybody. But this impurity says, Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. When you go down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in waters of baptism and you come up and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you are saying, I'm putting the blood applying to my life. I've repented of my sins. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I belong not to myself anymore. I belong to God. You say, well, but I don't, I want, I, 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 that's why Paul would say things like, I beseech you, I beg you, I command you, brethren, by the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In Thessalonians, and I, I'm reading just a few of the places where he said these things. This is all New Testament for those of you who are worried about, well, that was Old Testament, and now I have the grace of God. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, that each of you should know how to possess or control and manage his own body in consecration, purity, separated from things profane and honor not to be used in the passion of lust like the heathen who are ignorant of the true God and have no knowledge of his will. That's the Amplified Classic Version. He later told him in Romans, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, what is the phrase here? Through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body you shall live what are you saying pastor how do you remain pure in this world you constantly kill your flesh by the spirit what is the spirit the holy ghost <laughs> You got to pray through. I know old timers said, plead the blood, pray through. You say, well, I'm struggling with, pray through. Start praying. Go, you know, just say, Lord, I need you. I, my mind is racing. I'm, 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 I'm feeling overwhelmed. Lord, I need you to wash my heart, wash my mind. I gotta open the door to the spirit. That's the only way you kill the flesh. You can't kill the flesh by just saying, I won't do it. I just won't do it. Well, maybe if I do it a little bit. I won't, I won't be, huh? 
You have to constantly be very real about your commitment and connection to Almighty God. Paul wrote to Titus, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live, and you can look up those words, soberly, righteously, godly, in this present world. Let me just tell you something. Do you think the Roman Empire was not as wicked as it is today? Well, they didn't have the technology that we had, but guess what? You could buy it all from humans. Huh? So Paul, what is he saying? If God ask us to live pure, he is able to give us the strength to do it. The power, that's why the power of the Holy Ghost. When someone says, well, I don't know if I need the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. I need 220 of the Holy Ghost. Huh? You say, well, I, you know, let me, it, it doesn't take 10 minutes on the way home from church Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whew, I'm in here and I'm feeling good and man. How do you keep from being bombarded with the anger and the frustration and the impurities that are out there? And I realize, I, I realize Joseph, a great example. You want to read a... <laughs> A story of a young man who didn't have a Bible, who didn't have the Holy Ghost, who didn't go to church, who didn't have people that he could call, who didn't have anybody he could contact. In fact, his own family sold him into slavery and sent him away. You want to talk about somebody who ought to be disillusioned with serving God, the God that he's never seen, God he's never heard. He's just had a few dreams Huh? Remember the story? And Joseph ends up finally in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife comes to him. Listen to very carefully what he said. 38 chapter, 39 chapter verses 8 and 9. Joseph refused her and said unto his master's wife and he goes through an explanation. My master would know what is even in his house. And he's given me charge of everything. And there's none greater in the house than I. Neither has he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. But the real kicker in what Joseph said, you know what it was? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against? He didn't even have the Ten Commandments, folks. But he knew this would be a sin not against her, not against her master, not against his boss, but it was against God. 
I didn't put down verses 10 and 11, but when you keep reading, she keeps bugging the fire out of him. Constantly. She's always, finally one day, she reaches out and grabs him. And he ran. He got out of there. The only way you can fight some of this is to get away from it and draw a boundary and not go there. And if you've got problems with your phone, set up angel eyes, set up something, do your computer, run, run, are you in, run. And if you've got problems with somebody that you work with, find a new job, run. Don't go eating lunch with them. Run. The, what made Joseph, though, gave Joseph the strength was, you know, everything is on a continuum. Over here, ah, this is no big deal. I can handle this. I can do this. To over here, Oh, this is terrible. God wouldn't want me to do that and I would never want to do it. And what's amazing is that continuum is in place for everybody. I had to work many years ago with people that had been incarcerated for all kinds of heinous crimes. And you know what they would always tell me? Uh, well, what I did was no big deal. Yeah, I shot him, but I didn't do him like Lizzie Borden. You know, I didn't take an axe to him. Oh, well, good. Good for you. You just shot him and left him on the road. At least you didn't cut him up and put him in your trunk. How wonderful you are. Everybody's got a yardstick. Well, you don't understand. That was not what I did. Huh? And you know where most of our actions we think are? Are over here on the it's no big deal. Sort of in the middle as well. God may not like it. The law may not like it. But, ah. This is why knowing who God is and the importance of the word of God. Because if you're going to remain pure in this world, you're going to have to set, Lord, you set the standard. I don't care what society says it's okay because we've got a society now that is open more and more. Well, this is, you know, this is rated PG-13, PG-14, you know, well, 16. I don't care. You can't, you got to say, listen, you know what? If my 13-year-old doesn't need to watch it, I don't know that... What are you telling me? Oh, well, it's no big deal. I know it's quiet today. I'm just pastoring. Sorry for all of our guests. But this is Bible, folks. You know what's wrong with our world? Well, you know what? <laughs> when you start thinking, you know, well, and it's kind of an example of, okay, well, I'm going to be middle of the road. And when the road keeps going that way, 
Where's the middle? The middle now. And I understand, you know. See, I'm old enough to remember when the Southern Baptist Convention got up and publicly decried watching a bewitched. Because it was a single woman with a single guy and she showed her midriff. And now that's on Nick at night. And we go, well, that wasn't anything. You know, this is why I struggle with purity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So easy to get yourself. And you go, well, they were wrong or they shouldn't have said. We are living in a world that is quickly absorbing. You live any way you want. You act any way you want. You can be anything you want. You can change from day to day, moment to moment. You can do if you want to do it. If it feels good, it's all right. If it's what you want to do, I'm here to tell you that the Lord said you're going to struggle with that. I don't care how much you allow people. It does not ever get back to the point where you say, God, you are pure. You are holy. You are righteous. Holy is thy name, oh God. I don't want to come into your presence with except I wash my hands and I wash myself and I say, Lord, cleanse me. And the only way to do that is to stay full of the Holy Ghost. I know we talk about prayer and we do things around here praying, but I, if there was ever a time we ought to be more in prayer and in tune and letting the Holy Ghost flow, it's today. Anyway, all right, hallelujah. That's the seventh commandment. The eighth commandment, it's, it's short as far as words. Thou shalt not steal. And yet, how does that apply? Most of us, Probably 80% of us have never put on a mask and broken into a house and, you know, burgled a safe, taken, you know, dishes, the silver, whatever, taken them to a pawn shop. Probably most of you have never done that. I've never done that, actually. Thought about it a few times, but I haven't done it. But there's something deeper than just thou shalt not steal. And that is... Are you going to be a giver or a taker? Because stealers are takers. Thieves take. Or are you a giver? And that becomes kind of your attitude, you know? And so it can become an attitude about your work. It can become an attitude about whether you get up in the morning, greed, it's honesty, dishonesty, giver, taker. Somebody owes me something. Somebody's done me wrong. I deserve it. Huh? Those individuals that go to work and they think, well, you know, I'm so thankful I have a job. I'm so glad to be here. I want to give my best. They make the best employees, right? Somebody that walks into the job and says, Oh my, you know, they don't pay me nearly what they pay other people. And I could be doing this. I remember when I was making $100,000, $500,000, I used to make $20 a moment every 10 minutes. Now I'm only making, you know, $20 an hour. How terrible it is. 
Guess what? Before long, it impacts your work. Huh? Because I'm not thankful. I'm not grateful. I'm not thankful for what I have. And that's what this thou shalt not steal. And that implies, applies to employees, giving a full value of work. It imply, applies to paying fair wages, employers. You know, well, they're all cockroaches. They're all scum. Cheat them any way you can. That's not proper. That's stealing from them. The Bible in the Old Testament talked about it applied to merchants. He talked about a false way to measure, you know. Having a thing that's supposed to weigh a pound, but it only weighs 14 and a half ounces. And saying, here, I gave you a pound of grain. And the Bible was clear how wrong that was. Students, <laughs> cheating. Every, every young person's probably thought about cheating on a test. And, I, I read an article just this week in some college, and it was a pretty prestigious Ivy League college that, that some professor sued a site. And I, I've forgotten it. I just read it in passing. But this website had taken, uh, students had sent in old copies of the test, and, and it was a cheating test site. And they were, and so he sued them and filed suit for his students, and they're going to a court for a judge to say, Thou shalt not steal. Steal somebody else's grade, steal somebody else's work, steal somebody else's, huh? And the sites are out there. I, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have websites. We had cliff notes. And, you know, we always told ourselves, well, it's easier. I understand the cliff notes better than the book. So I'll read the cliff notes so that I'll understand when I read the book. And then... Anybody know about cliff notes? And then I would go, oh, well, I don't really need to read the book. I got it now. <laughs> Honest confession, good for the soul. Anybody ever? No, I don't want to ask you if you did that because that's not, I don't. What did Jesus say? If you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's a hundred percent commitment. Do we give him a hundred percent? Paul in Romans talked about render unto all men. He said, pay your taxes. You read through. I don't like that, and I know that's coming up. And I'm not telling you you should pay more than your fair share. I'm just saying that, you know, <clears throat> I went one too many. Go back to James. There it is. James. Uh, James also wrote, but look, here are the wages that you have withheld with, by fraud from the laborers. And he goes through. You've put it on yourself, self-indulgence, self-gratification. Paul in Ephesians said, let the thief steal no more, but make an honest living. And notice why he said you need to make an honest living, so that you can help somebody else, so that you can become a giver. 
That's why when you talk about tithing, that's why it's actually, tithing is, it's actually first fruits. We're not taking another offering today and this is fine, but my point is, it was called first fruits. You give it first because I've got to develop the mentality that I am not a taker, I am a giver. Why? Because so freely he gave to me. How can I not give to him? What happens is, in this sense of world, and I know, and we just took a, an amazing offering uh, uh, of individuals, two or three thousand dollars this past Wednesday and Sunday, uh, people giving to the Ukraine, and I, I, we, I'm not, we, this is a giving church, but that's part of what it is, means not to steal. It means I'm going to live my life not as a taker. I'm not out for what I can get for me, but I'm out for how can I be a blessing? You know, I know some of you have looked at me strange because I've said repeatedly, I hope everybody, I wish I pastored nothing but millionaires. And yet I know God couldn't bless some folks because if they had it, they wouldn't give. Because they can't give a dime now. How are you going to give when you get a million? Say, well, I would have all my needs. Oh, that's a mentality that you've got to recognize. You know, I, I get it. Work is not a, a bad word, even though it has four letters. <laughs> that's why Paul would say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace was bestowed on me. For I have labored or worked more abundantly than all the apostles Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. In Acts, he said, I've showed you things how so that laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than what? And yet we are living in a society, in a world, in a, in a country more and more, it's I, I want this paid and I want this and I want this and I want this. And I, I agree we should have good health care and we should have all of these wonderful things. I, I understand. But, you know, individuals that, it's amazing, it's not careful, it becomes a, a way of thinking. Huh? I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Colossians. He said, whatever may be your task, work at it heartily. Work at it with all your soul. You know, I mean, I, I'll be candid with you. I, I went to elementary school, junior high, high school. I went to college. I worked Kroger. I worked at cleaning bathrooms at APNL or power company. I worked, I worked jobs. I worked for a child abuse shelter. I've worked for evangelist, evangelizing. I've worked pastoring. I've worked at the university. I've worked. Do you know which one of them was working for God? All of them. Because every time you get up, 
This is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to do what I can. You say, well, I'm retired now. I don't work. Find something and do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because in this hour, you've got to remember the parable of the talents. And he gave one one talent, one three talents, one five talents, one one, one five, one ten. Remember the story of the parables of the talents. And there was one guy who would always do what in the story? Hide his talent. And I'm not going to do anything with it. And consequently, he ended up being sent out into beaten, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. He was reprimanded because he didn't do something for God. I understand. We've got a world that, you know what? It's kind of the idea of why should I work if they'll pay me to stay at home? Well, part of the reason is because I am a giver, not a taker. You understand? I don't mean you have to clock into a job. Find something to do. Why? Because the enemy is described as a thief. Thou shalt not steal. The thief, Jesus said, cometh not. But for one thing, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and life more abundantly. That's what's so powerful about these commandments. And I know I mentioned last week that they are not only commandments, but they are promises. They are promises. If God, if God doesn't, is said to us, thou shalt not steal. Let me tell you one thing that God will never do for you. He will never rob you. You will not give to him. And he won't return. He will not steal. You say, well, if I, if I give $10, is he going to give me 100 may not be just that way. And I know some people that, you know, talk about owing God. But I'm here to tell you, God will not rob from you. He will bless you whether it's in health or strength or whatever it might be because I'm telling you I serve a God who knows everything. He knows how many hair I have. He knows what I do for him. He knows what I, when I you don't think God is a meticulous bookkeeper that knows every time you say, well, I, you know, I, 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 I did this. Nobody noticed. I, and, and we have some men and, and ladies that come by and they clean church and work and do. and put. On, but you know what? I, and I try to acknowledge them and I try to say, oh, and I appreciate it because I do. But I'm here to tell you there's somebody else that sees every time you open a door, every time you pick up a piece of paper, every time I want you want to know why I, well, what am I doing because if I am going to be a giver I know who is the giver of life I know who is a giver to me I don't have to worry he is the ultimate giver and he is not going to take from me don't worry he won't rob from you I don't care how much you have given to him when it comes time to meet the maker you will not say, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time working around church. 
I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time working around helping in the house of the Lord. Huh? You got to understand, thou shalt not steal applies to me. I, I know, I've got two more, nine and ten, but we'll, we'll do those tonight. I'm glad you're here. I don't want to rob any more time. Some of you have got major lunch plans. Or... <laughs> you, want to, you want to find where you say, well, I, I, I've struggled with purity in the impure world. I've struggled with being my attitude and we're seeing a shift in our society of, you know, the government owes me, people owe me. And you know what I'm talking about, I mean. And, and employers are, are struggling with it. And I, I believe they can do more, but it talks about people are quitting jobs now more than any time in American history because they don't feel appreciated, they don't feel encouraged, they don't feel loved. I want to tell you, that attitude comes from within. And an employer can give you a salad bar and an extra 15 minutes and an extra raise, but if you don't have a heart transformation, you are gonna always feel like you're being cheated in this world. Or you're gonna say, you know who I'm working for? I'm working for the Lord. I don't know why he put me in this job. He, uh, he saw to it that every heathen in the world was gonna work in a, a desk next to mine. Maybe it was because he wanted you to be a light. Who knows? God forbid that would be true. Huh? But can you keep recognizing for God so loved that he gave? How can I not so love that I give? I want to change my attitude. I want to tell you something. Our world is struggling with an attitude problem right now. Huh? They're struggling with, I deserve better, I deserve more, I deserve, I deserve. And you say, have you ever felt that? Absolutely. But if you're not careful, it's a spirit that can get a hold of you. I deserve, I Huh? You know what? I deserve nothing. But it's because of his amazing grace that I feel what I feel. Oh, I, I, you know, I, it doesn't matter. You can change jobs, but always keep an attitude of I want to be a giver, not a taker. I want to be a giver. Let's stand. Hallelujah. What we're going to do today is we're going to give him some praise. Hallelujah. If you want to come, you want the Lord to work on your ass.